real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an author and speaker. His mission is to help entrepreneurial leadership teams succeed as a certified EOS implementer. Since 2016, he has helped 35 leadership teams clarify, simplify, and achieve their visions and start living the EOS life. Welcome to the show, Steve Preda. Hi, Sarah. Great to be here. Thank you for uh, being so welcome. Uh, did I pronounce your last name right? I, I should have confirmed that before we started. Churchill said that everyone has the right to pronounce foreign names as they please. So yes, yes, you did. Oh, awesome. Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, can you give us a little bit of your background and your story? My background. So I'm 54 years old. So I've got a lot of background. But more recently, uh, 20 years ago, I started a business called MB Partners. And I was 35 years at the time. And uh, I had been dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur since the age, around the age of 10 when I heard of the stories about my great-grandfather who ran a very successful bakery business in Budapest, Hungary, where I'm from. And uh, long story short, I went, I I got a job, I became an accountant, I became a banker, and I got fairly well paid. And it was very difficult to start my business until eventually I got fired. And that's when the starting shot kind of sounded. And I I went, uh, walked over the street and started my business. And I helped other entrepreneurs build businesses that were attractive. And I helped them sell those businesses or raise capital for them and uh, built a great team around me and we grew fast in the middle of the 2000s about three or four years in i stumbled upon a book called the e-myth from michael gerber and it talks about this idea of uh, creating this franchise prototype business you can systemize your business and you can multiply it and make it self-managing and i got super excited about it so i implemented everything in my business and then we ran through some hard times. So after financial crisis, our business really suffered and had to downsize. And then we rebounded uh, in 2010, 2011, started expanding again. And then uh, the Eurozone crisis hit, which was, you guys didn't feel it as much here in the US, but in Europe, it was a huge currency crisis. Basically, it stopped economic life in its tracks. Countries were going down. Banks were going belly up. And it really uh, hurt our business again. And and my wife and I were on vacation and we were looking at the news and we basically asked the question, are we going to wait for strike three or are we going to make a change? So we decided at the end of this weekend, we were going to try to move to the US. And as we were getting ready early next year in 2012, I got a phone call from a guy called Christian and he offered to to do a partnership to, to merge our businesses and, and create uh, this uh, merchant banking business in Central Europe. And I told him that I actually loved the proposal, but I couldn't be a partner because I was moving to the U.S. However, 
kind of good timing. If you wanted to buy my business, I was all for it. So he sent me a proposal a week later, which totally floored me. So everything in this proposal was against anything I was teaching to all my clients, how to build a buyable business, something that is a, a product that people want to own. He didn't want to own my business. He wanted to own my customers. He wanted to buy my furniture and my computers. But he was, he was unwilling to actually pay for the business. He, he felt the business had no good value without me because I was the chief uh, cook and bottle washer there. So that was a big, big shock to my system. I hankered down, moved here, uh, started working with my team, started empowering my team. And the wonderful thing was at the time I, I found the, other, the, the second book which is about EOS, uh, called Traction, from Gino Wickman. And it was a higher level kind of management blueprint. I call these books management blueprints. It was, again, how to make the business self-managing, how to build a team around you, how to make it growing and profitable. And so I embraced it. I worked with my team. We implemented the tools. And within a year, Christian came back, made another offer, and I could sell my business. So, so my business became sellable. Actually, I call it viable within a year. Now, this whole book and this whole concept, the Bible, came from that experience and also my experience as a business coach. So when I moved here, I started becoming a business coach. I ran two CEO peer groups where I worked with CEOs. I coached them and we worked together, brainstormed, mastermind, uh, and came up with ideas. But what I found was that however great ideas we came up with, the CEOs were all excited in the room and they promised to execute, but then they didn't execute most of the time. It was super frustrating. So... I realized that actually to be more effective, I should work with leadership teams and be more hands-on and work with this peer accountability structure where, where they hold each other accountable. I cannot be there in the business holding them accountable every day, but if the whole team bought into the process, they would hold each other accountable. So that's when I started implementing EOS, became an EOS certified implementer, and I helped companies. But I also thought about this whole concept of a business, making a business viable. And I realized that when I needed this business, my business, I mean, partners to be viable, it wasn't because I just didn't empower my team. I didn't be at the system. And how can I help other entrepreneurs so that they don't fall into the same trap so they can prepare well in advance, make their business viable. So when life happens to them, when there is a health issue, when there is a divorce, uh, when there is a burnout, or they just simply, they lose energy because they get 70 years old or 75 years old or whatever, that they have options. They have a valuable business. They don't have to sell the business, but make it viable. So whenever something happens, you have options. You can step back or you can sell the business or you can have someone else manage it for you. And that's what viable is about. It's not about selling a business. It's making a business a good business, which other people want to buy. And you should want to own this kind of business anyway. So why not Why not make? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think most people think about that they're going to work in their business forever and they don't even think about maybe selling it and, and what needs to happen to make it viable. So that's very interesting. And just so people know, we had touched on EOS, which I guess stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. But can you kind of explain what a certified EOS implementer, what that even means? Yeah, no, I, I know it's a double group for most people. So EOS is one of these management blueprints. Essentially, where this comes from is in the last about the last 100 years, starting with 
1911, when the Principles of Scientific Management was published by Frederick Winslow Taylor. He was kind of the first conceiver of uh, an important management concept, which is creating processes in your business. So since that time, there were other uh, thinkers and practitioners who came up with these management concepts. There are six others, and uh, they have uh, wrote, they have written books about it. And the big big companies, they and the MBA programs all teach these in one shape or another. So big companies implement this because they have these highly trained experts, these MBAs who, who implement these concepts for them. However, for the small entrepreneur, they don't have employee, they don't have enough time, uh, enough money to hire MBAs. So they don't have access to all that knowledge and all that expertise. So what management blueprints help you do, it's kind of a cookie cutter way of implementing these concepts, these seven management concepts into your business. And EOS is one of these management blueprints, uh, the entrepreneurial operating system. And uh, EMIS was another one. And there are others. So in my book, I talk about 10 different management blueprints. And uh, they are all of them are stre- have strengths in certain areas and weaknesses in other areas. But generally, they teach the seven management concepts, which are, the first one is to organize, to articulate your culture. As Jim Collins, who is one of the, the major thinkers, he, he said that the first thing you want to do is to get the right people on the bus and get the wrong people off the bus and then get the right people in the right seat. So that's the second concept is structure. You have to create what is the structure that's going to take you to the next level in your organization. What are the functions and roles and who are the right people in the seats? That's the foundation. And then the, you have to figure out the direction for your company. And there are two concepts that go in there. The first one is you have to come up with a vision. So where is this company going? What is your vision? Which means defining what is your purpose and your mission. What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal out there? And what is your vivid vision about three, three to five years out? Uh, with all the full color so that everyone sees the same thing and they can all in your team work on making decisions to achieve that vision. And when you have your vision, you have to figure out how you're different from other companies. Not necessarily how you're better because we all want to be better. And we see operational excellence doesn't create success. It just creates efficiencies, but that can be copied. But how are you going to be different from other companies? That's your strategy. So you figure out your strategy, and then it's time to to the production processes. Uh, it's time to execute. So execute is concept number five. So how do you execute? Execute is all about setting goals, which we call rocks, and having a great scoreboard, which has, helps you measure your teams and everyone on a team on a weekly basis to make sure that they're executing the goal. And then you need processes because... Okay, you're executing great, but how are you going to delegate? How are you going to free up the leadership teams so that they can work on moving the company forward rather than in the business? You need to delegate, and you can only delegate by creating great processes because the people that you hire, they may not have your experience and and your intuition. If they do, they run their own businesses or they're too expensive to hire, right? So you have to delegate and you have to create great processes. And finally, you have to create alignment in the business. You have to make sure everyone is rowing in the same direction. And you do this by by having a meeting cadence and uh, by making sure that you have a healthy team to so work on the team health, uh, that people are working together, they are open and honest, they have great conversations, and that uh, they uh, tackle their issues head on. Oh, that's awesome. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I find that of those, one of the challenges that I have is the delegating and <laughs> and setting up processes because I'm currently thinking about getting like a virtual assistant and I'm thinking about 
Mm-hmm. I, I just think about how I know what I want to do and how to do it. And like, it kind of stresses me out to think about the training process and all that. So yeah, that's... So that's the fear about delegation. Basically, there are two stressors in delegation. One is that you have to step out of your comfort zone to do something that you're not yet good at, right? When you delegate, you let go of what you're already great at and you can do really well. You may not love it, but it's your comfort zone. So you have to let that go. You step out of your comfort zone. You do something that you really suck at first and to get through that, that's a big stressor for most people. The second stressor is you something that you do really well, you give it to someone else who's who are not going to do it well yet and you have to coach them up and they're going to drop the ball and you have to pick up the ball for them. And that's a huge stress. So it's kind of a double whammy. You are putting yourself in stress, doing new stuff. You're delegating other person. But without this, you won't be able to elevate you. So you won't be able to get the business to a higher level because you're going to create a cap on this business and lid, so to say. I like to tell my clients that, let's say they run a $5 million business. And I look around the leadership team and says, you guys want to uh, run a $20 million business? That's great. It means you have to, each of you have to become four times more effective. That's the only way to do it. Because if you're not getting more effective, no one else is going to get more effective. You have to create that vacuum. You step up, do more. Let's say you've been doing $50 an hour work or $100 an hour work. Guess what? You have to do a $400 hour work and you have to delegate everything to people below you. And by stepping up, you create this vacuum, this opening, and people can come in and they fill it and they all step up. And then the people below them can step up as well. Everyone steps up a level and that's how you grow your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. I think that's definitely something we can all <laughs> work on and and learn how to do. And then as far as the, are those the six key components to turn a good business into a great one? Is that what you just covered? Or? So so, so I, I went kind of more broad and more higher level. So there are there are many management blueprints. EOS is one of them, one of the 10. And I talked about the seven management concepts that go into all the blueprints. Not all of them go into all of them, but these are the, the concepts that, that these blueprints uh, have. Now, EOS has its own concept, which is the six key components of your business. So this is how they simplify. They say you have six key components and you just have to work on strengthening each of the six key components. And then everything is going to fall into place. So their six key components uh, is uh, people, right people in the right seats, vision, where are you going, how are you going to get there, data, which is numbers, running your business on numbers, issues, solving your issues, process, systemizing your business, and attraction, which is all about execution. So how do you execute on the meeting cadence and, and the rocks? Essentially, uh, uh, it's the same thing, a little bit of a different thing. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that book, Traction. I haven't read it yet, and I, I didn't realize what it was about. So that's interesting. So Traction is, is really a kind of attraction is a synonym for execution. Edison said that vision without execution is hallucination. And Gino Wickman said vision without traction is hallucination. So it's kind of, it's a, a branded term for execution. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess I just assumed traction meant like gaining traction in your business. But I guess execution, you need to, ex- yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> you gain traction by executing yeah. well. And your website is tractionequity.com. So is your business kind of like based around that book and the concepts within that book? Or how does that work? Yes. So the last four years, I've been 
working and implementing the entrepreneurial operating system in businesses. And that's, that's what my focus has been. And more recently, I've been broadening my focus and uh, I'm still doing traction. I'm still doing EOS implementation, but I, I have uh, broadened to another system, another management blueprint called Pinnacle, which is uh, more of an open source, more an open-ended. So EOS is more of a cookie cutter, closed-end system, and Pinnacle is like a higher level system with more tools, especially for companies that already implemented EOS. They can add other tools and they can walk up to their Pinnacle they can indefinitely grow with an in, infinite toolbox. That's kind of the Okay. Idea. And then you also have a book coming out soon called Buyable, Your Guide to Building a Self-Managing, Fast-Growing, and High-Profit Business. Can you go over some of the, I guess, key concepts maybe within the book, like what the book goes over and how to make your business viable and attractive to someone to buy? Yeah. Absolutely. So again, buyable means making it attractive, as you say. It doesn't mean that you have to sell it. It just means that you have to have a good business. And it's a four-stage process to create a buyable business. The first stage is to really figure out what you want from your life. So what's an ideal life look, look like for you? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Is this the ideal existence for you, that you are an entrepreneur? And if you are, what kind of entrepreneur do you want to be? Are you a visionary entrepreneur? Are you more of an operator that you like running the business rather than building the business? So, or do you want your ideal life is maybe philanthropy or maybe a hobby or being time with your loved ones and your family? Maybe that's what you're looking for. You want to retire is your ideal life. So, so that's the first thing. And a lot of people don't know that. I've worked with several entrepreneurs who you know, wanted to sell their business because they wanted to get rich. And when they saw the business, suddenly they lost the meaning, the, the main purpose of their life, which heretofore was to build this company. And suddenly it was gone and there was a huge vacuum and they bought the boat, but then they never used it. And one of them took me out, out for lunch and said, let's, let's, let me show you my boat. And we walked out. And he tried to uh, start it, but it was full of water. It wasn't even working. This is how little he used his boat. He bought the boat, but he didn't really uh, want the boat, right? And they, they saw the boat. So, so that's the first question. What do you want with your life? What's an ideal life? If there's no money problems for you and you can live anywhere and you can uh, live with the, the people that you love to be with, what does it look like? Paint a picture. And then you will be able to say two things. One is, what is it going to take me to get there? And typically there is a number uh, attached to that, which I call the magic number. So what is your magic number that would allow you to start this new company or retire or start this philanthropic endeavor or, or pursue your hobbies, whatever it is. And the second one is when do you want to do this? So what is your time horizon? Is it five years out? Is it 10 years out? Is it 20 years out? Be clear on where, how much time do you give yourself to get there? And when you are clear with this, then you can start to figure out, okay, so how do I, how much do I need to grow this business? How valuable do I have to make it in order for it to yield me this magic number? So I can harvest this magic number from the business. And we have calculators for it. So there is a calculator. If you, if your listeners go on magicnumbercalculator.com, they can calculate their own magic number. And if they go on a value and growth calculator.com, then they can figure out how, they, how much they need to grow their business so they can harvest this magic number from it. 
And when you know how much you need to grow, maybe it's figure out that you you have you want to get your next uh, chapter in seven years and you need to grow 20% a year. Then the next stage in this process, stage two in this process is orchestrating your business. And that's when the management blueprints come in because it's a really a very, it's a very easy way to orchestrate your business. I would say not necessarily easy. It's a very simple way to orchestrate your business. You just implement this tool set or maybe you hire a coach who will help you implement this tool set such as EOS or, or another one. It will take you a couple of years, two or three years, depending on where you are, to orchestrate to make sure your your business is self-managing so you, you're not indispensable in the business, that you have a, you're growing on a continuous basis, you're profitable, business is becoming valuable. Now, sometimes just by orchestrating your business, you're going to reach the value, your target value, and then you can go to stage four. But sometimes you need more than just a good well-managed business. You need to increase your value drivers. So that's stage three. You increase your value drivers. You you, you create the foundation. Uh, you make, make sure you master the basics. So you have a valuable asset that you groom your business. You fine-tune everything so that it puts its best foot forward for the buyer or an investor. And then stage four is this transition phase. That when you're harvesting your business, when you're transitioning yourself to your ideal life, whether it's inside or outside of the business, and, uh, and that's the process. So visualize what you want, figure out what you need from your business, then orchestrate your business, then instill the value drivers, increase the value to the point where you're ready to harvest the business, and then harvest the business and make the transition in stage one. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and you had briefly mentioned to determine whether you want to build your business or run your business. So what would be the differences between those? Yeah, so... There are people who are the visionary types. So if you if you are creative, you come up with these ideas, these big ideas, and and or the excitement of, of creating the ideas and and explain it to people. If that's your strength, but you're not so excited about actually executing those ideas and being there in the business day to day and hold people accountable and make sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted then you are a visionary. If you are not so much uh, of a creative person, but you're great with, with blueprints, if someone tells you, this is where we're going, you can figure it out, you're great with people, you're great with maintaining the culture in the business and making sure that everyone is executing well and you're integrating the, the functions and, and you're hitting your numbers. If you're a really good operations person, then that means that, that maybe you should be running the business. That should be your, your goal, unless there is something else that you would rather do. So just because you are good at operating a business doesn't mean that this is your dream job, right? It just means that you're a good operator. Now, there are a lot more entrepreneurial people, visionary type people, than good operators. So for every 10 entrepreneurial people, there is one good operator. So being a good operator is nothing to, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily and less good than being a vision. In fact, it's, it's rarer. And if you're good, if you have a good uh, organizational skills and you can execute well, then you're going to be in high demand. You're probably going to be paid the big bucks by someone to run their company for them. And most of the visionary entrepreneurs, they never get off the ground because they never get good at running the business or they will never hire someone to run it for them and they never break through. So, so just being a visionary not, isn't necessarily a good thing unless you can really leverage yourself by finding a good partner who will run the business for you. And then there are some people who do both fairly well. That's kind of an ideal situation, but there's no Yeah. 
yeah, I guess it's kind of like the whole working in your business or working on your business. I do both right now, but <laughs> yeah. And I love those links that you have, the magicnumbercalculator.com and the value and growth calculator.com. You also have buyabilityassessment.com and then... That's right. So if you would like to figure out whether your business is viable and to the degree it is viable and how it is doing in the six factors of viability, then go and, and check it out. That's the kind of the best one to start with. There are 41 questions. It will take you some maybe 10, 15 minutes to uh, complete it. But then you have a complete picture where you are weak on these factors and what you need to work Okay. On. Yeah, and I'll actually have links to all of that in the show notes as well as viablebusiness.com and tractionequity.com. And then also have a link to your new book coming out, Viable. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we end? Well, I just like to say you mentioned viablebusiness.com and Viable. So the book is available on Amazon. Kindle, uh, paperback, hardback, and the audiobook is coming within a couple of weeks. However, if you're not ready to buy the book, then you can go on BibleBusiness.com. You can give me your email address, and then you can uh, send you the first 40 pages of the book, and you can read the, the first part of the book, and you'll have a clear picture of what the book can offer and whether you want to buy the book, and you get quite a few stories as well. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great way to... Like if someone isn't sure whether or not the book is right for them, that's a good way for them to kind of determine that. So that's awesome. So Absolutely. yeah, well, I appreciate your time today and I'll have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Steve Preda. That's Steve and then P-R-E-D-A. And I'll have all the links to all the things we talked about as well as the book in there as well. And then people can find you primarily, I guess, at tractionequity.com. That's your main site. Or stevepreda.com. So I think that's the best one, stevepreda.com. And that's will take them to all Okay, the awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here with you on a Saturday and enjoyed, uh, enjoyed your questions. You had really good questions to ask. You're a good listener. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.